and welcome to Pedagodzilla, the pedagogic podcast with the Pop Culture Core, recording here live and on location at the Playful Learning Conference 2022. I'm Mike, your host, or one of your hosts. Got I'm Mark Childs. I'm a senior learning designer at University of Durham. I haven't even gone halfway through my uh, my intro there. Oh, okay. I, you, you looked in my direction, so assumed it was my cue no, to talk. Well, no, I just kind of, I, I, I forgot that. Well, okay. I temporarily forgot that I had a co-host because I didn't oh, yeah. have a co-host yesterday, did I? Ah, just okay. blabbering so very great. Very good. Slick start. Bring slick start. that up again. <laughs> very slick start. And we are joined by... Uh, Luca Modini. And um, thanks for having me. I'm really, really happy to be here and to see that you are professionals in this. And, and, and <laughs> improvising, so I'll try my best. I, I, I am a researcher in, uh, in Coventry University. I'm natively from Italy. What's my thing? I, I, I did things all over the place because my, my link with, with games and play really is... There's a lot about what we can learn through play or using play in games. And for me, it's more about what we learn f- from games, or from play in the, in the natural order out there. And that was what my thesis is about. It was about seeing what people creating games just for the sake of it learn from doing that. Oh, that's fabulous. Well, you're going to have to tell us about your thesis in a bit. Yes. So yes. What, what brings you to Playful Learning? Well, I've been to Playful Learning in 2017, I think. Uh, at the time, games and play, I was in the, despite what I said, and we can discuss that, I was more in the serious games and gamification space because that's how I got a job. You can't get <laughs> an academic job in Italy unless you know someone. So here I was and I, I got that, uh, but I was pushing in a different direction. And this is the playful learning conference. I mean, I attend other conferences in the general game games and learning space, but this is the playful learning and it emphasizes that more wild and creative aspect and i'm I'm really happy to be back Uh, playing games are not anymore at the center of what i do in my job but it's still very important again it's as a guiding light what what i can learn from that so so what is you know what is your job what is your role what is your what is your practice i so in the in the center for global learning i work in a team which is called education without boundaries and we do a lot of work about intercultural engagement intercultural communication coming to university is probably one of the, or if not the most diverse institution in the UK. We have lots of uh, foreign students coming in. We have lots of international partnership and we need to navigate that. There's lots of, uh, there's lots of attrition sometimes when you, when you meet across different cultures. And I say this as a migrant myself. And uh, among the many things that we do, yeah, I find that play can be can be very useful to help that. But my, my main job is that is about intercultural engagement, including uh, um, postgraduate students. And what is a PhD or what is a master's can be wildly different. People come to the UK and say, oh, I want to do a UK master's, but then it's it's not what they expect. And again, you have to navigate that. And the rules and the expectation, like Elliot was discussing yesterday. I never even considered that. PhDs and masters would be different. There would be different expectations in different it's countries. Really different. <laughs> oh, okay. No, me neither. I know that the the sort of viva process is different. Very different in the a lot in a lot of countries. It's a very public process. It's actually a public performance and you're on a stage and there's an. I did I did the public defence. So in theory, in Italy, everyone can come in the room and say, "Hey, you, what the heck are you saying?" And everyone can can join in, aside from your supervisor. Mm-hmm. They have oh. to shut up and just because you're on your you're yeah. on your own. 
You are the newly you are defending it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That sounds amazing and amazingly stressful simultaneously. Yeah. I saw, I saw, um, I saw um, a thesis viva in Finland. It was about uh, playing games, and uh, they brought in. They started with fake mustache, and at the <laughs> end they brought in uh, hats and a sword, and it was in Finnish, so I had no idea what was going on. Uh, and then I discovered that actually. The, the heart and the sword are part of what they give you when you get a PhD in Finland because it's, oh it's, to, it's to fight for truth or something like that. Okay. We are, we've been working yeah. in the wrong country, Mark. Because, I mean, when I did my Viva, it was, there's the two external examiners because I normally have one internal, one external, unless you're doing it at the university and you're a member, an employee at the university. There's the chair. Your supervisor is allowed in, but they have to sit at the back and they're not allowed to say anything. They're just taking notes mm -hmm. in case you have to do a revisions and things. And that's it. You're in there for an hour. They're talking, asking you all these questions. You go out for 10 minutes while they talk about it. You come back in. They go, uh, well, you need to do this, this and this. And then you'll have a doctorate. And then you go home. It's like there's no celebration. There's, there's no, no sword, no hat. No sword. You get a hat eventually. Mm. You get a floppy hat sort of a year later or whatever when you do the ceremony. But but it, as an anticlimax, it, it's, it's, it's the most like, anticlimactic moment in my life is you finally passed your viva, sort of. You've got minor revisions. And that's it. You just go home and go back to or go back. And here's to a floppy hat. I'm sorry, I can't get past this floppy hat thing. Um, no, the, we, you don't. I, we get the the hat, the, no, the not the not floppy hat. Sometimes in Italy, oh, okay. but not always. Uh, in Finland, they get a top hat. I, um, oh, they just do it so well. Yeah, oh, top hat. No, the Tudor Tudor bonnet is technically what it's called here. So it's, oh, they look so dumb though. It looks like some a pudding sat it, on your head. It's 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 the Italian. It's this thing yeah, we've imported from Italy because you know that's where we we got higher education from. We we kind of imported it from the Italians. <laughs> Did we? Yeah. There's this, uh, if you, if people in Bologna will say this is the oldest university everywhere, we invented universities. That's not true. There were older ones in, in Asia and the Middle East, in Africa, in Africa. The, ninth, the first one is everywhere, but too. Yeah. Italian people will usually be quite. Inventing it for Europe's enough of a claim to fame, really. I mean, I think that's kind of impressive. But that's why a lot of the traditions look a bit Italian. So you've got, you know, you imagine all these Renaissance pictures of sort of the. With the the, the the guys in the floppy hats, yeah, the yeah. sort of that's what you wear. Blame the Romans. The Blame the Romans. Yeah, bloody Romans. <laughs> yeah. What have they ever they've do done for us? For us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's classic. So, taking a step um, sideways from the day to day, then of your yes. practice uh, and into games. Yes. Can you please tell me about a game that you're passionate about? And this could be a video game, a board game, a sport, something you play with your family. Just a game that you are passionate about. I just I just recently. Finished. I, I well, I was always a video gamer and Dungeons and Dragons, Magic the Gathering, the whole thing. Uh, and it wasn't that easy in a small Alpine village. It wasn't that that mainstream. But I just finished the the remake of Final Fantasy VII or the, the first part. Of How is it? It's great. It's oh, really great. I want to play it so much. But uh, let me let me explain. I, I say this because I find it uh, interesting when people say, "Oh." In days nowadays, there's so much politics, you can't have fun. That's a game from 1997. Mm. You play an eco-terrorist with PTSD. Mm. So, and then it, a cross-dressing eco-terrorist with PTSD. A cross-dressing eco-terrorist with PTSD that goes against a mega corporation that wants to, well, that is profiting from some metaphysical version of climate change on a spiritual level. And, uh, 
I think, well, it was a very enjoyable game. I love the the remake because you get to spend a lot of time with, with, yeah. with the characters and it's like people that I spent some time of my youth with. It's not, they are not real, but they are real in the sense that they they tell about those narratives. It was it was light when you go through, but there are quite heavy themes there. And uh, I think it, it did start uh, my interest in, in ecology in a more political sense and not necessarily becoming an eco-terrorist. Also, I can't lift a 200 kilograms sword or yet. cast fire spells or someone. Again, yet. So uh, <laughs> for now, for now, I, I wouldn't be much useful in that kind of direct action. But you could still learn, learn a lot from that. It was quite an overt metaphor, a metaphor that millions of people have played through and it definitely influenced how I think about um, the medium of play, about uh, how do you learn and engage with narratives and about the, the politics of uh, our relationship with our environment. I think that's so interesting because you've actually, you've, you've, you've jumped to my next question, which was going to be how do you see, you know, your, your passion for this game, for games in general, intersecting with your, with your practice? And so far you've described, you know, the, the love of the narrative, the love of the people, but also it's inspired this, um, you know, a... a, a a drive for not eco-terrorism, but uh, an ecological <laughs> understanding. Yes, yes. Well, uh, after this, I'm, I'm running my session. And uh, it's a lot about how the, the game designer's mindset can allow you to have a more active political imagination in terms of how you engage with local context, but also with global context. Because... Games are inherently about, inherently about, they are systemic, they have feedback loops, they are about information flows. So there's a lot there that is, is hard science, but also they are highly emotional and engaging experiences. So that's, that's, that's how it intersects. I, I wish we could have something like, like that. Uh, and I, I also wish we could have the relative lack of consequences that we have in there. I I was I was doing the the final special ultimate boss in Final Fantasy VII remake. I think I attempted at least forty times. Good grief! Just getting destroyed. But it's not like uh, in, in many institutions in the UK here. I understand that you you fail an exam three times, and you're done. You're pretty much done. So the stakes are too high. Mm. And uh, that's something else that I wish we, we could learn because if the stakes, if the space is safe enough, if the stakes are not too high, then you can do very hard things and not be worried about uh, the immediate consequences. And I think, that, well, that is a broader discussion about how society is gamified. You need to have the top, you need to have a first by the top 20-something university and that nets you enough invisible points that will allow you to be interviewed at some companies. There's an, in, there's an interesting overlap between a conversation that Mark and I had over a combination of children oh, we've talking off earlier. Yeah, yeah. And I, death I, to exams was the... Oh, death to assessment. I, I completely agree. I, I mean, I, I think we, we need a lot of formative assessment. But like, games give you a lot of feedback. Like, I, I fail, I fail, I fail, I fail. And, and good games make it very clear why you have failed and what you could do 
to do better. And of course, they are simple. They are simple systems. And when you're looking into the old world disciplines, they are more complex. But it's it's a kind of an of an ethos. So yes, that to assessment, long live formative assessment. Definitely that to grades. Mm-hmm. You, I know, no no compromise. <laughs> and. Uh, also, that to copyright, can I say? That? Oh, <laughs> I mean, as people using a, a sample from original Godzilla, I think yeah, we, we, we definitely need, say we need, the, the, we need the copyright experts on to talk. When I played, when I played Final Fantasy VII, the original one, in I think it was 1999. Oh, that was pirated. I would never have. How how does uh, a kid with, without uh, proper internet connectivity? Uh, get a game in a village at the beginning of the Alps. Well, there's, there's a CD, it goes around, you burn it, and then you have opened to a new um, ethical space. <laughs> uh, so let's put it like that. But yeah, my, 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 my hot take is that I, I understand the need to protect um, the livelihood of people that live through their, their ideas, which includes us so I, I really understand that but it's a bit of idea landlordism and i find that very problematic protectionism yeah we uh, we give it away for free don't we mark uh yeah yeah because only because nobody would pay us for it no god <laughs> um so based on what we've discussed so far have you had one top tip for your fellow educators what would it be find ways to cheat for good there's, there's, uh, there's, uh, so in English you have you have cheating. It covers uh, cheating at games, cheating on your wife, and cheating at, at tests. In in Italian we have three words. So when you when you when you cheat, barare. That's the literal translation. Barare is only for games. If we if we cheat at games, it's it's fine. Sometimes it can even be fun to catch each other. Don't take it too seriously. And that's one thing. But it has its own... Um, it's specific. There's a magic circle. Then, if it was my, my wife, that's not cheating. It doesn't make sense. That's betrayed. Tradire. It's a strong ethical infraction. When you, cop- when, when you, when you cheat at the test, in Italian we say copiare, to copy. It's just a procedure. I mean, it's very <laughs> ethically neutral. And I'm saying all this because sometimes in our institution they are very hierarchical, there's lots of rules, there are resources. And sometimes in our positions you can, you can use the buzzword of the month, you can use some of your opportunities and you, you cheat, you trick the people that make the rules and you try and redirect some material resources to people that are less empowered to make the rules. And if everyone is more empowered to make the rules, ultimately, I would argue that that makes for a better game. And that was Bernie de Coven's argument. And I had the privilege to meet him in 2016. And I, I was so happy. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting, because I think that's part of where the conflict between our expectations of our students and their expectations of their education are different is when we talk about cheating in assessments, we see it as a betrayal. And they see it as simply gaming the mechanics of the system. And that's possibly where that mismatch is, is we're using the same word. Whereas actually, if we were talking about using the, t- the two Italian words for that, I then we would understand the mismatch. That's how you see that they are game literate. 
they grew up in this world of games, uh, both uh, actual games and games they are forced to play, and they are game literate. They know how to win, and they know what the stakes are. And so they try to. Who, who can blame them, really? Yeah. Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. So, um, Luca, where can people find you online? I'm on Twitter at uh, LucaMorini11, I think. Uh, or the, well, you can you can you can Google me like Coventry Pure Luca Morini L U C A M O R I N I. My profile will pop out. You can see how I'm completely all over the place with my career because <laughs> games are the only thing that kind of pull together the, the very different things I do. But they, I'm not too allowed to focus on that. So, <laughs> well, thank you very very much for joining us. Thank um, you. This is Mike signing off at the Playful Learning Conference. Goodbye now. Bye. Oh, thanks. Thanks and goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Sorry.